The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spence the King, and I am back after a two-week hiatus, man. I've I've been missing y'all. I've been missing the Conduct crew. That's what I call y'all now. I got my own little nickname for my people. Uh, But hey, I'm excited about tonight because I have a very, very, very special guest. And I'm going to actually just bring him right on in, man. We're not going to play no games. I got my man joining me from WGR 550. He's also a contributor for one of my favorite networks. Uh, actually, the crew that got me into like wanting to do podcasting in the first place. Uh, he's a contributor for Cover One. So I'm going to bring in my man, Nate Geary, from WGR. As soon as this music stops, man, you can start talking. But how's it going today, man? It's just, let me, you know, I'm going to just go ahead and take it on off. How's it going today, man? Ah, well, honestly, it's good. It's good. Well, here's the thing: you, your intro is much better than like my own radio show's intro. So I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to clip this and send it to my producer because we're gonna need to, we're gonna need to step it up a little bit if this is, uh, if this is the kind of podcast intros I'm dealing with out there. I, I better yeah. step the game up a little bit. Well, you know what? When I first started, I didn't know much about podcasting at all, but I knew a lot about music. So I said, well, if I ain't going to be good podcaster, my intro going to be the best. So, yeah. I- well, I, I mean, so far, so good, my friend. So far, so good. <laughs> but man, how's it going? Today seems like a like a fun day in Bill's Mafia or Bill's News. <laughs> What you think? OTA started today. Um, yeah. uh, we got to see Josh Allen in a visor, which he just keeps teasing and teasing and teasing. And as a as an aficionado of helmet swag and just overall um, just overall football swag, it's it's long overdue that he wears yeah. it in the game situation. It's just. Yeah. I just think it needs to. You know, we're going to start a petition. I think once this show is over, I'm going to start a hashtag and everything. We got to yeah. we got to figure it out. But we're going to get him an advisor. Like this has to happen this season. So here's I'm what I'm going to do. I just I just want to set my credibility straight uh, by showing you a picture of me from college. Uh, I should have had this up and ready, but I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. But I think this is an important time for me to under, for you guys to understand if people are listening to me for the first time. Um, and I'm talking about helmet swag, I, and they're like, what, "What's this kid know about helmet swag?" I just I just want to show you, you know, kind of who you're talking to. Um, I'll find a good one here. I'm so close. Okay, um, it's tough to see. I don't have any good pictures, but you know, I mean, we had we had some oh, pretty good. You. Yeah. Some pretty good helmet swag. I used to go okay. with the uh, I used to go with the uh, the the skinny bands right above the elbow, and then I would have uh, got to have the calf bands, bro. Got, I had some oh, calf bands as well. So uh, I, like, knew uh... I, I knew what I was doing. Okay, I, I have I have the right to call Josh Allen out on his helmet swag. Let's just you were like every every young person's creative player in Madden in like yes. two thousand four. Like every easy easy. I, if there was an accessory to put on. <laughs> You had it. It, it. I had, you know, the sleeve, the one with the elbow pad. Um, you know, you got to get, when I had long hair, you had to get the Jordan, you know, tie band yeah. around the head. Yeah. I mean, you name it. You, I, it. I, you name it, I did it. I, I, so, you yep. know, on-field swag is a big, big, important thing for me. I believe there is a very direct correlation between looking good on the field and playing good in the game. Um, that is a direct line that I draw. So, um, yeah. although Josh has really kind of, He's kind of curbed that that tradition. I think if he brings the visor game, I'm just wondering where the ceiling is for Josh Allen if he if he brings that to the table. 
I'm going to just tell you what, I feel like, you know, he's the guy because, you know, I think it's a league rule right now where if you do wear a visor, it has to be either smoked or clear. So I think mm. because it's the quarterback and he's Josh and he's who he is, he's going to be the guy to break that rule. Like he's going to be the guy, you know, Brady got the tuck rule. You know, he mm-hmm. got the, he's that Aaron Rodgers like, had the smoke red. He's going to have the yeah. yep. Yeah. He's going to have a fire red joint. And it's going it's going to be fresh. So. So I'm with you on that, man. So we're going to start a petition. We'll think about it. We'll get a good hashtag, and me and you, will will man that. I so, will certainly man that with you for sure. So it's going to be fun. But look, I got a fun show for us today because you, you're with me. So I want to get it going. I titled the show today, Politics as Usual. And the reason why, obviously, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. As you see, I got on my, my Jay-Z Blueprint 2 um, COVID-safe shirt because uh, he's wearing his mask. But on top just of- Just listening to Holy um, Grail on the way home from the golf course, so- Good, good choice. Good choice. Always a good choice. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, today, I feel like Bill's Mafia and, and fans across the league, they we all fell victim again to, you know, the same stuff that everybody falls to every single year. So the first one was the tweet about Aaron Rodgers not showing up to voluntary, <laughs> voluntary camp. And everybody's like, no, you know, he's this is different because he showed up every year previously, which is true. He has mm-hmm. shown up every year previously. However, it's a voluntary workout. So I feel like every year we always get caught up in the whole who doesn't show up to voluntary. Do you think this is something to read into or do you think it's nothing the way I see it? I I mean, I'm not going to view him showing up to OTAs as, um, as, as some sort of statement because doesn't it feel like he's already sort of made the statement? This is just seems yeah. like it's it's kind of staying consistent with what his representation has been saying to the to the media what the media has been regurgitating and from all accounts um it looks like most of the media leaks are coming from rogers team so um mm-hmm. if rogers is out there letting people know that you know he wants to move on if there's people that are you know tweeting out and reporting that he was texting you know potential free agents that were coming in not to play there um texting teammates that uh a good kunst is sort of like uh jerry kraus i mean you say that kind of stuff and it sort of seems like you're you're looking to get on the way out so i you know i guess my question here is i don't i don't feel like aaron Rodgers is going to play for another team not this year um, so what does that talk about? It's like, kind of like breaking up with your significant other, but then like going to go hang out and do weird things with them, you know, like just do normal things, but you're broken up, you know? So it's like yeah. with Aaron Rodgers, is he going to show up to training camp if he hasn't been traded? I, I think the answer to that question is yes. Um, and what's that dynamic going to be like? Is that really good for the Packers? That's why, you know, I think ultimately the Packers are in an impasse here because I think they're in a no-win situation. I think a disgruntled with Aaron Rodgers might as well be no Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, you know, with that yeah. team and where they are and the window that they're in. Um, so for me, you know, I, it feels like the Green Bay kind of has to blink and kind of has to make the move and take what you can get for Aaron Rodgers, which will be a lot, by the way. It's not like, you know, he's not going to bring you back a – um, a hefty, a hefty return in any sort of trade. So I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be awkward. I mean, there's just no doubt about it to me. Um, but I'm, I, I, I don't think not showing up to OTAs is like a sign that he's disgruntled. I think we already know. And like right. the, 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 the footprints are in this, in the snow, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you know what, to your point, like you, you mentioned, or, or your analogy, I should say, you, you said like, it's like breaking up with your girlfriend and then I mean, how many times have you throughout your life broken up with somebody and then like it's it's like a Went to the movies with process. Yeah. yeah, it's like a six month process, man. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna like go out there and just be like a floozy. So I'm not sleeping with everybody. I'm still kind of with my ex, but not with my ex because she makes me sick. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the life. So that's where Aaron is right says now. Lone, like, lone wolf, one of the comments, he says he says kind of like when my my ex-wife used to go out to dinners after we got divorced. <laughs> And I, but you know what? I know a lot of people like that. But honestly, God, I know a lot of people who break up or get divorced. And the thing is, it's like they become best of friends, especially after they break up. I feel like this relationship with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay isn't over. It's not going that way, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, here's the the crazy thing. And and, and this is something to consider when you're thinking about the type of person we're dealing with with Aaron Rodgers. This is a man that has cut his family off. He doesn't speak to his own brother or his parents. This dude goes scorched earth on his parents. He has no problem going scorched earth on Green Bay. Yeah, no, none whatsoever. He's not, uh, you know, my thing is, 
And then actually, this is a good transition. Uh, transition. This is a good segue. So I've also been seeing a lot of people talk about how they haven't drafted a first round pick for him on the off as a weapon. You know, no mm-hmm. receiver, no tight end, no running back. Okay. Everybody's like, go out and get Julio. Fix it. I don't think that's the problem in Green Bay. I don't think Aaron Rod- Now, would he be happy if you went and got a, a Julio Jones? Sure. Of course. But I don't think the problem is Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, I don't have Devontae Adams. Hey, I don't have... I don't think that's the problem. The problem is he hates the GM. Mm-hmm. He hates the way the, the team has been operated. They let go of Van Pelt as his coordinator or his quarterback's coach, whichever he was. I can't remember. Um, but th- there's just been multiple things that they've done that you typically don't see organizations do to their franchise guy. So, I mean, do you think it's a simple fix as far as like, hey, let's just go get this guy a weapon or two and maybe he'll shut up and be happy? Or do you think it's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is like, this is where it is? You know, Julio Jones could fix a lot of things. Um, I'm not sure that he can repair the the disconnect that's happening in Green Bay, but I certainly think it could be the reason Aaron Rodgers finishes his career there, whether or not you know, Aaron Rodgers can put aside some of the stuff that he's got going on with it. It feels personal between Gutekunst, the, the general manager, and um, and and and, uh, and Rodgers. And you know, Rodgers is on record last year talking about how in their second year of the Matt Lafleur offense was really when things took off. Obviously, he won the MVP. Is Rodgers at this point in his career willing to go somewhere where he knows? it's going to be at least another year before he hits that stride with that team. I mean, it's kind of the scary thought about Brady, right? Like could Brady end up being better or be the guy that we saw like in the playoffs all season? Cause then, you know, Tampa could be a team that, you know, is like going undefeated kind of team. Um, yeah. But, but kind of going back to Roger to, to Rogers, cause I was digressing a little bit, but with Rogers, Julio Jones certainly would help things. Right. Um, I, I just wonder if, I just wonder if the only thing that could really fix the situation is that divorce is, is, is him being traded and does Julio Jones change things? I I mean, Julio Jones is going to change things almost regardless of where he goes, right? Like he goes to Buffalo, it changes things on the offense. He goes to Tennessee. I mean, it changes the entire outlook of what Tennessee's offense can be. So I, I view this, I, I am probably, Maybe more. Maybe I'm higher on Julio than maybe I should be. Um, and 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 maybe people who are too low on him. I, I think maybe we're just in opposite ends. And it's probably falls somewhere in, in the middle of people that say he's 32 years old and he's you know injured all the time. Which by the way I don't agree with. Um, he missed six games last year, but he's been a pretty durable guy. He's played through a lot of injuries and he's not a guy that misses a lot of games. When he does, he's really hurt, but he'll play through pain. Um, and you don't see and, that with every receiver in the league. Well, and not to cut you off, I just don't want to miss this point because I'll forget. Um, the thing is, too, also with him showing up on the injury report, there are often, like every year, he shows up on the injury report the same way Tom Brady does, where it's not necessarily like he's injured. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Brady is always has a shoulder injury or always has it, but he's, he's playing every week. Julio shows up on a report every single week, but I guarantee you, you have to worry about him if he's on that field. So, 100%. you know, I, to your point, people kept saying all day, I've been debating all day, like, hey, he is not washed. He is not just because he's 32 and he missed, you know, games last year. And then last year, if <laughs> last year, if they were in contention, he would have played more than nine games. 100%. They shut him down early just because they weren't in contention. So, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's a really inter- the Julio dynamic, and and I guess the point I was making when I was kind of rattling these teams off is he changes a lot of things if he goes to another team if he's traded, and you know I I think that you know some Bills fans had the had the fan goggles on, and when I tweeted about uh you know I I, I you know Gabriel Davis and a second round pick is a trade, and people telling me that you can't trade Gabriel Davis because he's you know as it will be as good as Julio Jones or they're the same player at this point in their careers. I mean, you people listen, I, everybody loves the bills. Everybody, I love Gabriel Davis. I think he's going to be a really solid player at best. He's a wide receiver too. He's not one of the best receivers to ever play the game. And that's Julio Jones. And he's 32 years old. That's not that old. Um, so yeah, I, I think Julio changes dynamics pretty much anywhere he goes. I think if he goes to, to, to green Bay, Green Bay is clearly trying to make a peace offering, right? Um, like he's mm-hmm. out there, act, they're out there actively trying to say, we're going to resign you. Hey, well, how about an extension? How about more money? 
Roger says no to that. How do you say no exactly to Julio Jones? And I don't think you can, you know? No, no. And one of the arguments and one of the things that I basically throw out there, I'm not a fan. Like when I say I'm not a fan of getting Julio, I'm not saying I I wouldn't take him. What I'm saying is for our roster, for our team, I don't think we need him. No, certainly don't need him. But people are crazy. When you, if if anybody I've seen say that Julio is this, Julio is that, Julio is this, in a negative way, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Julio is the top five wide receiver when he's not right healthy. Now. And right when now, he is yes. And when he's healthy, he's the best in the league. And it's not mm-hmm. close. I love, I love Hopkins. Hopkins is my favorite. Desha- uh, uh, Diggs is my second favorite. But outside of favorites, listen, I can't hate at all on Julio Jones. So, so now let's, let's transition it to the Buffalo Bills sure. conversation. Because everybody has been talking about this all day. We've been debating it like – everywhere all day what do you think first of all before we even get to is the trade possible mm-hmm. do you think he's a fit with our yes. roster yes i've been seeing a lot of people say that they're concerned about you know him coming in and messing up a chemistry no. this is I, I, I keep seeing chemistry so i just want to know like as a fit i don't understand why people keep using chemistry and saying that he would ruin the chemistry i, I just i don't see it Here's the thing. This offense, um, you know, I, I've heard things like there's only one ball, which is right. There is only one ball. But look at the NBA. They figure it out. You know, James Harden, uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. There's only one ball there, but they figure it out. Right. Um, yeah. I, I view this offense as a pass heavy offense. They're going to throw the ball a bunch. Give me players like Julio Jones. And here's the thing. Our, our, I, for me, you have to have. Stephon Diggs sign off on a move like this. This is this is a move you go and say, hey, Diggs, we're thinking about adding Julio Jones. And if you're Stephon Diggs, you are just like uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You're like these best receivers in the league. And you say, I'm sorry, what? You get to put a guy on the other side of me that they now have to pay attention to just as much as me? The, I don't think Diggs views that as an opportunity to take targets away from him. I think he views it as a way to get safeties stopped rolling over the top to him, right? So I don't think there's any conversation about fit or chemistry. I think he walks in and makes this team a really hard out. They become right next to Kansas City as the most dangerous offense ever assembled. And those are the things that you have to sort of get past a lot of the, listen, no one is denying a guy like Gabriel Davis. And we're not even saying that in a a potential move of trying to get him that you'd have to get rid of Gabriel Davis. But if you did, Gabriel Davis could be a nice player for a long time. He is never going to scratch what Julio Jones and, and the impact that he's had on the NFL. And if you could add Julio Jones next to Stephon Diggs, and you could find a way to keep Cole Beasley in that equation as well. I just don't know what defenses are supposed to do to stop this offense. And I think for, if you want to talk about a way to make the the run game better, <laughs> add Julio yeah. Jones to the field. If you want to make, if you want to see Josh Allen take that additional step, give him Julio Jones. I just think for me that Julio Jones takes this probably top of tier two, I think if you're one of tier teams, it's Tampa Bay and Kansas City in tier one. And if you want to say the tier two teams are Super Bowl contenders still, you want to tell me that the Bills are right up there, sort of the premier teams of tier two, I think I'm mm-hmm. buying that. They Julio Jones brings the Bills from top of tier two in the same conversation as Kansas City and Tampa Bay. And I won't have I won't be told otherwise. Like that's yeah. that is just what will happen. That is the presence that a player like Julio can Jones had or Julio Jones can have on a team that already has a Stefan Diggs and already has a Josh Allen who has shown he can play at an MVP level. So yeah, like for me, I am I couldn't be less concerned about fit or chemistry. This is a team that has assembled some really top end talent, unselfish players. This is a locker room that has bought in. I think everyone in that locker room would be giddy to have Julio Jones at the field. And and I was just gonna say, like, and I know this isn't Bill's news, but I mean you saw now, obviously, guys, I'm out here in Phoenix. You guys saw what Hopkins said about it. He somebody he tweeted out. He said, yeah, they asked me if I would restructure my contract and take less to bring Julio. I guarantee yeah. you every single top receiver in the league yep. would be like, oh, so I don't have to get double teamed if we bring Julio. Heck, yeah, let's win. Let's do it. Every top receiver I can guarantee. Now, I haven't talked to Diggs. Stefan does not know me. We ain't buddies. I'll ask him. I'll send him a tweet or something to see. But I'm telling you, I guarantee you, 
his answer would be, nah, bring that dude in here. Let's win some championships. Because mm-hmm. that's where these guys are at. They want to win. And and you said earlier, there's only one ball. You're right. There's only one ball. There's one ball in Kansas City. Last year, there was right. one ball in Tampa Bay. There's one ball in Indiana. Listen, Indianapolis is going to be a they're going to be tough this year. One ball. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why everybody keeps throwing that out there. When you have I want to have the most talent around my quarterback as possible. Because say say Diggs does get injured. Say say um Beasley has a broken leg and he's not a hundred percent in the playoffs. Say Diggs in the playoffs has a torn what was it a core muscle or whatever. Yeah. He had. Uh, what do you have like an oblique? Yeah. So I mean, so think about these things. In the it's a long season. We're adding an additional game. It's seventeen games now instead of sixteen. L- listen, those guys who obviously in the preseason they didn't typically play because it's preseason. You're playing. Mm-hmm. This is this is a game for the playoffs. You're playing. So no, I, I'm I'm all in on on if they were to bring him here, I would be happy about it. If Brandon Bean doesn't go get him, I'm happy about it. I think that the Buffalo Bills are at a place where now we're looking for luxuries. It's we're, like we're, okay, we're we're looking for things to get you over the top. And and listen, I, I do I think that a Stefan or do I do I think a Julio Jones trade is is happening for the Bills? I would if I somebody asked about a percentage, one percent, <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah. probably not going to happen. Greg Tom said a cover one kind of just put together a jokingly sort of, you know, a, a, a way to make happen. it work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could work. I mean, just like anything in the NFL, they're talking about the Rams trying to make a move for Julio Jones. You know what they would have to do to make that work? Right. They, they'll do it. They don't. They haven't had a first-round pick since <laughs> I was in high school, okay? So, like, Man. they don't they'll, – they'll figure out ways. And NFL teams – you right. It, cap space is a fallacy. Um, if you have the money, look at New Orleans. New Orleans was a, a sixty-two million over the salary cap to start the offseason, and here they are. So, mm-hmm. salary cap's a fallacy. If you want a player, you can go get a player. I just would bet at this point. I feel like they probably feel pretty good. Listen, now if this Julio Jones conversation gets the legs that it's got right now at the start of free agency. And they're not talking about post June first, and they don't sign Emmanuel Sanders. Now you're, I, I'm convinced that's a move you you might really look at without Emmanuel Sanders on the roster. Well, well, let me ask you this though, um, because, and I, I could be wrong in this. I feel like Emmanuel Sanders was signed to take John Brown's role in a way. Would Would you say that's accurate? I would say that's accurate. To me, yeah, but I feel like he took he's he's there to take that role. The reason why I feel yeah. like even though we signed him that this is still a move that they can make if they wanted to for, as a luxury sure. it, is because it, Emmanuel we saw Sanders how John wouldn't Brown, stop them from making that move. And that's where I'm at. Like with, with what we saw last season, especially with the injury to John Brown, mm-hmm. um, the role is one of those roles where it's like, OK, if we got it when you're there. Great. If not. But if you're talking about adding basically another type of production like Stefan Diggs. You know, that that is to me is different. It's not in the same conversation as the Emmanuel Sanders or the John Browns, even Cole Beasley. As much as I love our all pro guy, it's a completely different conversation. So um, but that 15 million as Richard Rutch is is talking about now, that's it's pretty steep. It's a steep number when you're when you're talking about, you know, trading for a guy that we don't need. But, man, it would be so much fun to watch. And and here's my take. I'm going to get yelled at and you can yell at me, too, if you feel I'm wrong. Okay. I don't. I still don't think the Bills are ready for the Chiefs. I think both games when we played them last year, we actually got beat up pretty bad. The first game, the score didn't look like we got beat up pretty bad, but we got beat up pretty badly, and they actually it could have been worse. The, the AFC Championship, we definitely got beat up pretty badly. I know there were some injuries. I know some things, you know, but I don't want to have an excuse. We got beat up pretty badly. I don't think they got worse. They improved their entire offensive line. Like they really improved our offensive line compared to the team that we faced in the AFC championship. It's a different type of guys. Uh, all those guys protecting Patrick Mahomes is different. I don't think we, we got closer. I don't think we closed that gap. So to me, the reason why I think about a Julio Jones situation is because that's a move that truly closes that gap. I don't think our draft closed that. that gap. I agree with you that the draft did not close the gap. Um, I would push back. The only thing I don't agree with is I don't think they got better on the offensive line. I think they got okay. different, but I don't think that that means they got better. And I'm going to tell you why. Listen, I like Orlando Brown Jr. a lot. I think 
he's going to find out very quickly that blocking for Patrick Mahomes is so much different than blocking in Baltimore for Lamar Jackson. And the reason being is Patrick isn't moving around to run the football. He is moving around to create separation, to create time, to throw the football. And that's a different type of responsibility when he's going to move. Listen, I think he'll be a good left tackle. I think the numbers that we saw and the success he had in, 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 in Baltimore had a lot to do with that is one of the friendliest offensive line schemes in all of the league. It is as friendly as friendly gets. And I think he's going to arguably the least offensive line friendly system team quarterback in the entire league. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on Orlando on that left side when he's, but, and by the way, Who's playing on the right side? Like, I got Mike Remmers at, at right tackle. I know they like that Niang kid, and maybe he pops in and starts over over Remmers at right tackle. Maybe Creed Humphrey moves right in and starts as a rookie on the interior. That's not an offensive line that I think from from left to right. I, I, I'm not I'm not sold that they got better. I'm I'm sold that they got younger in some spots. I'm sold that they spent a lot of money on Joe Tooney, mm-hmm. and I'm sold that they would have spent even more money on Trent Williams in the left tackle. And that that's a team to me that I, I just like, can you, you can, they offered like Trent Williams, like six years, 140 million or something. And the guy's 33 years old. So, uh, you know, like their, their decision-making on the offensive line. Listen, I did not like the move from the Ravens because you don't trade a good player, a good young player. I don't care what the return is to a team that you have to competitively get over. I mean, that is to me, that was an egregious move by the Ravens. Egregious, regardless if you like the player or not. But I think it's, it says something to me that that Baltimore Ravens organization, they, they know how to develop talent. And the whole Earl Thomas thing happened last year in that locker room. And you saw what happened. That team does not let locker room stuff bother them. They just cut. They move away, and you don't you don't hear about Earl Thomas again. I think there was something going on that because to me the Ravens had all the leverage in that move because yeah. they could have they had a fifth year option and they had a franchise tag and they basically gave him away with a draft pick. They sent away a second round pick with him. So there, mm-hmm. there was clearly something at play, and maybe Andy Reid gets the best of them, but I'm not sold that Kansas City's offensive line got better. I 100% agree with you, though. I don't think the Bills got really closer to Kansas City, and I do agree that I think they're 100% in a different tier than the Bills are. And I haven't seen the Bills play a good offensive performance against the Chiefs. I think it's, I think they can, and I think if they play better offensively that they can keep a closer score. I don't know that this defense has the personnel to stop that offense. Let Plans me ask you this. Let me ask you this about about because you you just mentioned something and I know you just went to the defense and all that, but you just said offensively you haven't seen us have a good game against them. Mm-hmm. Now, when when Tom Brady was in New England, I always felt like the moment because Josh was excited. I don't want to say it was too big for him, but I felt mm-hmm. like he was excited, so his nerves just wasn't there. And and he's admitted before that sometimes he needs to take a hit <laughs> to get his, his nerves settled. Yeah. Do you think that game, because he knows the, the gravity of it and how huge it is, do you think that maybe it's still one of those moments for him as to where, hey, this is Kansas City, and I know all eyes are on me. The world is watching me. I got to perform, and he just does too much? Um. I, I think for the most part, the two games that they've played, I think their defensive game plan by Dennis Allen has been top tier, top notch, execution, game plan, preparation, you name it. I've been saying this a lot about the Bills, about Josh Allen, about their matchups against Kansas City is it's really hard to get experience in the NFL in those types of moments unless you actually get to play them. I think that Josh Allen, he earned every every bit of the accolades that he got, but he had something so valuable this this last year, which is just time on task in games that mean a lot. And the end of the season, going for the division, and then into the into the wild card round, winning that first playoff game. Everything else was uncharted territory. Think of, I mean, divisional round. The Bills haven't been the divisional round in 25 years. Yeah, the yeah. AFC Championship game. They haven't been the AFC Championship game in 25 years. So 
there is a lot of firsts that happened for the Bills last year. And I think when the Bills get back to the stage, they're going to be more prepared for what that stage brings from a nerves perspective, from a game plan perspective, from how teams shift their scheme, shift their personnel, shift their level of play. Everybody, it's it's like playoff hockey, right? Or playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. Everyone is busting their ass a little bit harder than they are during the regular season. Everything, people are gripping the the ball. So there's just a lot of things that you can't necessarily prepare for until it happens. I think they gained invaluable experience playing in the AFC Championship game and getting punched in the chin. I I think there's a valuable lesson in that. And, um, I mean, you you look at those pictures of after that game with confetti coming down and them celebrating with the Lamar Hunt Trophy and watching, you know, Stephon Diggs on the field. That's the kind of stuff – that that scar tissue that Kansas City used on their run for their first Super Bowl, right? And and mm-hmm. I think that there's a really valuable way to take something positive out of what happened in the in the in the playoffs last year at the AFC Championship game. But I think my overall point is the experience will help them in their next matchup against them in, on that stage. My mm-hmm. question becomes, you know, can Josh Allen play his best game? The games we see him play against Miami, the games we see, because I think that's really the next step for Josh, right? Is him playing at that ceiling week in and week out, not, week. you know, week. two weeks. Yep. Great. One week back to like average and then two, three weeks grade. And then they comes down. So it's a lot of this. If we can get more of this where we're constantly sort of playing at that ceiling and he can play at his ceiling. Listen, I think the most exciting part about the Kansas city matchup is we want to see Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. And in both matchups, the last, the last year, we didn't get that. Yeah. And that's the, so yes, you're right. That is the exciting part. Now let's go full circle to how this conversation started. I think the Bills need to at least pick up the phone and call Atlanta and find out, okay, are you guys really that high that you think I'm going to give you a first? What do you right. really want for Julio? Because like I said, I understand what everybody's saying about he's 32, I, I, like the fears. I don't, I'm not saying yeah. I understand and I agree, but I understand the fears. He's 32. He was injured last season with the hamstring. He was, I do not think this off season, the Buffalo Bills moved the needle to get closer to the Kansas city chiefs and Brandon Bean after you remember it. We all remember it at at the end of the season last year. He said, we got to be honest with ourselves. We weren't good enough. We didn't get to the quarterback. We didn't win the game. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. We didn't move the needle. Now I know we, we drafted two, two guys to rush the quarterback. One that Mm -hmm. we think can probably be very, very active this year. And one hopefully that can develop at that point. And maybe hopefully this season as well. But I just don't think what we drafted, we've moved the needle to get closer. So so like I said, I kind of, I guess now I am going to say, I, I want them to call, find out what it takes to get Julio, man. We got to do something. We have. I, I, I also, the, the thing that I think is important about, you know, the bills not necessarily getting better, but able to sort of stay the same is when you get into the level that the bills are at, that the chiefs are at, that the, the Buccaneers are at the wins that they have are their abilities to keep those teams that got to that level intact. And yeah. there's really not, the NFL is designed so that those teams can't really get better. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. I mean, incrementally sure. Um, could they get lucky and could a player, um, you know, could a rookie or can someone have that big year three, right. Or, or take that big step that gets them over the hump. I think, you know, to be honest with you, the best way the Bills can be better and, and close the gap is if Ed Oliver takes a step in year three. Uh, if he takes the step that we saw Josh Allen take, he takes like a transcendent step, like two steps forward. I don't know that we know what that would do to that defense if he took a step. What if Tremaine Edmonds takes the step everyone that like me and not everyone's like me that think Tremaine Edmonds has really not even scratched the surface of the ceiling yet. What if he all of a sudden takes a big year four step, right? What if, I'm what, if, what, what, if <laughs> what if Dane Jackson is a lockdown number two corner, right? What if what Dawson if? Knox, yeah. what if Dawson Knox turns into and takes a step this year and is a top 15 tight end, right? Like these are questions that you can't necessarily talk about or, or maybe put pose on, on, on May 24th. But if you want to close the gap with the, the Kansas City Chiefs, the first thing you have to do is maintain the core that got you there. And the Bills did that. Now it's time to say, Oliver, you know, John Feliciano in a full season healthy, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Cody Ford. 
Uh, these are all players that if the Bills can find that extra developmental step, we're talking about a team that's then closed the gap a little bit. Do you know what I mean? So I think I, I think that's one way of looking at it that maybe a lot of us just look at it from black, a black and white view of, did they add more talent? Did they get better in free agency or the draft? And maybe not about, did Eric Washington find a way to get more out of Ed Oliver than he did in his first two years? And those are things that I think if we're talking about that, maybe they can close that gap a little bit. Well, I mean, you're, first, you're 100% right when, when you talk about defense and you go there. And actually, Lone Wolf had a comment that I threw up there that said that the Bills don't have the defense to hang with the Chiefs offense, but any given Sunday. I actually um, respectfully disagree with Lone Wolf there because I do think the Bills have the defense to hang with the Chiefs. I know it didn't look like it last season. Mm-hmm. I do think that we do. I think last season we had a complete, even though it was like the, the same core for the most part, we had the same defense that we had the year prior when we had the number four defense in the league. We had the same defensive coordinator. The difference, well, there were a, few, a bunch of differences. Injuries to Tremaine Edmonds early on, um, Starla Tule opting out. Um, we also had other injuries around the league or around our defense. So with that being said, I'm of the mindset that I feel, to your point, if Oliver can step up, Star comes back and he can kind of add support in the run defense. I, I don't think Star is, I don't think he's that much of a, You know, I'll bring Star up again later on. So because I don't want to miss that point. But I do think the defense can get back to even if they're not number four. If if we have a top eight, top seven defense with the offense that we have, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anybody that can stop us. So my thing is the offense has to show up during those moments. I do think Mm -hmm. the defense is going to show. I I think it's happening, man. I I think this year is Ed Oliver's year. Honest to God, we when I the the, um the Cowboys game, Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. That's the Ed Oliver that I think we're going to see a whole lot more this year because he's not going to have responsibilities that he's not good at. If you know, if that makes sense, I, it does. I I don't think they really want him playing the one technique and rundowns like he was last year. He was their best one technique, and that's tough. That's exactly the same issue that we were sold on in college, where he was needed to play in the one tech at Houston, and he was really better fit at the three tech. And the Bills were going to unlock that and give him the opportunity to really focus on playing three tech and. Injuries, opt-outs forced him to play in a role, much like I think Quentin Jefferson was forced to play in a role that I think didn't really fit what they did well. And I think, you know, they, I, I was a little disappointed to see them move on from Quentin Jefferson. Um, I would have liked to see him kind of get in a, in a more um, in a role that unlocked him more. But let's be real. They drafted two guys that are going to probably be better than Quentin Jefferson at the role we're talking about here. So yep. listen, if, if you can get at Oliver in a one technique position on third down with Gregory Rousseau and the three tech bash him on mm. one side and, and, and Hughes on another, I think there's a very good chance that you're going to see interior pass rush significantly better than we've seen the last two years. So um, I'm excited maybe more so than other people are about Russo's interior pass rush ability. Okay. That, I was going to go there that, with the next. If you can combine Russo's length and he's going to force double teams on third down 100% because those guards are not going to be able to take his hands down. I, I, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'll, I would buy into at Oliver having, having that step this year. And again, I think that's just something we can't necessarily account for because is Ed Oliver really going to be a guy that's 10 and a half sacks from the interior? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but if we could get him to five and a half, seven and a half sacks from the interior, I, I like this this team. If you're going to get better in one area, interior pass rush, particularly against the quarterbacks they're going to have to beat, is, is a place to get better at. Well, you know, so you're talking about Greg. I like Greg. I liked him. You know, the year that he played in Miami, obviously he opted out. Everybody knows the story mm-hmm. now that we drafted our first round draft pick. But um, I, I actually was very disappointed with the pick. And it was unfortunate that I was disappointed with the pick because I was actually live for like a- SB Nation's national show. Like they're like, hey, we want you to represent Buffalo Rumbling. So I jumped on there and I'm in like live pick. And my guy stats is like, yeah, so the Buffalo Bills draft Greg Russo. And I'm like. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is not an indictment against. I'm happy he's with us now. In the moment, I wanted somebody who I thought could contribute in that first year. You you sound like you're higher. Well, I I was on the um, I wanted a a cornerback. So I was either at the time Asante Samuel Jr. because he was available Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning of the night. I wanted us to draft Travis Etienne, not because of the running back thing that everybody wanted. It was more so the same conversation I'm having here about Julio. 
not necessarily it, that it had to be a running back. I don't care if it's a running back, wide receiver, tight end. I need somebody. I need another offense. stud. Yeah, just give me another stud that can help Josh Allen just do things. So that's 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 where I was. But Greg, you 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 are higher on Greg than than I am. What is it about Greg that you think, even with the year off and and the horrible, um, I don't want to say horrible, the less than impressive um, combine or workout that he that he presented? What what makes you excited about him? Um, what makes me excited about him is he feels a lot like Tremaine Edmonds to me. Young, um, not a lot of experience playing the position, which which means to me and what it, it, the other. Okay, so how about this? He adds a really nice combination of lack of experience but looks like the kind of guy that can be coached. And if you can marry a tools guy, Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen's a tools guy. He got drafted for tools. And by the way, I think more and more, the elite level players that get drafted in the NFL are guys that have traits. They're not guys that put up big college stats, okay? Right. He did did have big college stats. I mean, he led the nation in sacks. So if you want to tell me that, you know, maybe Russo is a little raw. I agree with you. I think that plays to the Bills' benefit. I think they like their ability to bring him in, coach him up, get him playing in multiple positions. I think he's a player that, if you want setting the edge, if he's not a guy that's going to get you 12 and a half sacks, but can provide seven, be the edge setter, and bump in on third down and become a, a gigantic obstruction in passing lanes in the middle of the field, I think it's a big win for me. And if he can be the better version of Shaq Lawson that I think he can. I think they, especially from the run defense perspective and setting the edge, I think he will be what a lot of us wanted Shaq Lawson to be, except he's got the height and weight that you want to see from a guy. Like Shaq Lawson's real undersized. I think he can play the same role that Shaq played in his last year that he got paid, but be the traits guy that maybe Shaq wasn't, the athlete that Shaq wasn't. So I like him for a lot of reasons, but I like the marriage of being raw with being coachable because I think that that's the kind of guy that you could bring to a ceiling. And listen, if you can get Gregory Rousseau to his ceiling, mm-hmm. we're talking about Jason Pierre-Paul. We're talking about a player of that magnitude, 100%. Now, is it more likely he is... Shaq Lawson, then he's Jason Pierre-Paul. I think that's probably right. But the ceiling to me is there. The potential is there. That's what really excites me about him. Okay. I mean, and that's fair because that's what excites me about our third-round draft pick. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Mm-hmm. When when they took Spencer, I was like, wait a minute. This dude here is a monster. I don't know if you – um, obviously, not a ton of people got a chance to watch him because of the mm-hmm. school that he went to. And every, but if you just look at his, at, at his workout, you look at his numbers, you look at the, the attributes that this guy is bringing to the team – Dude, I'm so excited to see him in pads. Like, I, I I need to see him. I think he's gonna. It might not be like right now, obviously, but it's gonna be soon that he's gonna work his way in and get some. Like, he's gonna get reps. I'm excited to see him at St. John Fisher. Uh, he's gonna be the biggest guy in the field. I'm I'm just excited to see what he looks like next to pro men. Yeah, because he's he was big in college and he looked big, but it's, <laughs> it's FBS, you know. Let's see him yeah. and some thirty-two-year-old grown-ass man and see how much bigger he looks. I, and I think he's still gonna look like like dwarf them. Yeah, yeah. So this was also another. I'm doing a really good job tonight, by the way. I don't know if you can tell. This is another good segue because I, Tra- I transition talk about embedded. Yeah, I'm like I wanted to talk about embedded. <laughs> this is perfect. So. We're talking about Greg and we're talking about Basham. I think Joe's favorite draft pick is Basham because he likes mm-hmm. to say Basham's going to bash him. Um, embedded looked like, I know they edited it. It looked like they got the guys they wanted. In the however, first two rounds. Yeah, it does. And um, But however, there was a report out there that said Travis Etienne really, 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 really thought that the Buffalo Bills are going to do what they had to do to get him. Um, a, so this is going to be a two-part question. A, okay. Embedded. How how did you feel about that? You know the whole thing, and and do you think they fed us like a, you know, little spoonful, you know, a little bit of a lie there? We, you know, it's like we got the guys exactly that we wanted, or was Travis Etienne actually talking some real when he when he said that? Uh, I think both are probably a little true. I think it's very possible. Um, and we'll never know this. I think it's very possible. Brandon Bean uh, sold Travis Etienne's agents that you're at you're at thirty. We are taking you. Um, and I, and I'm sure they probably thought that, um, but we'll never know because he wasn't there if they liked Rousseau more than they liked ETN and if they would rather gone ETN than going Rousseau. But, um, 
I buy it a little bit. I, I, I'm sure they were very straightforward with with ETN's team that if he was available, that they that they would take him. I think, um, I think Michelle, first of all, does an unbelievable job with those embedded series and, and the yes, film work that they do. They they absolutely kick it out of the park every single time. But um, sure, I think there's absolutely a level of you know they're not going to go on there and and, and show video of uh, you know how how pissed off they were. ETN got drafted by um, the Jaguars at 25, but in the same in the same light, I I, I buy the relationship um, between Eric Washington and Greg Rousseau that we got to sort of see um, in real time play out, and I also buy um, you know I was talking to Marcel Louis Jacques ESPN about this. And Marcel was telling me you know listen Drew Rosenhaus before the draft went out and basically tweeted that he thought he, that Rousseau was a guarantee to go in the first round that teams had told him if he was available late in the first round, that they would take him. And this isn't Marcel reporting it, but I, Marcel basically said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Bills that straight up told Drew Rosen. I was like, if he's there at 30, he isn't getting past us. So I think there's a world where both of those things are true. I think they tell players and they tell agents a lot of things. Um, at the end of the day, we're never going to truly know. It's too bad we won't. I think it would make a really interesting storyline to know if Travis Etienne's on the board of 30 if the Bills uh, pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick, speaking of Marcel, same, shameless pug here. Next week, y'all join Ooh. me at the same time, the same place. I got my guy Marcel kicking it with me on the Code of Conduct. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're actually going to be talking about fantasy, too, because he had his draft, and I got my draft this Saturday, oh. so we're going to be talking about it. Bro, so listen, make sure you know, y'all hear listen. He, I'm the, I am the league commissioner in his draft that he just had. And there was some controversy in that draft. So I guarantee he's coming on this show to talk some shit about me. Come I, with guarantee, I guarantee he's going to do it. Well, you know, what's funny is because, you know, Marcel's a good, good friend of mine. Um, so I'm sure uh, I, I can only bet um, – I might, I'm going to have to tune in now because now I have to watch him and record with my phone to make sure that he's not going out there and talking trash because I, I guarantee he's got some notes. He he, he, he probably is going to pull out some text messages. I had to make a very stern uh, but very fair uh, uh, rule ruling in the league, and the, and the, uh, the league was not happy about the ruling. Uh, there was a lot of memes and gifts about me. There was a lot yeah. of talk about outseating me as the commissioner. So um, I will be watching that podcast very, very closely. So they treat you like Roger Goodell, man. Yeah, you gotta- <laughs> man. They're booing me at the podium. Yeah, it's no love, man. No love. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, make sure y'all join me next Monday. Marcel is going to be a lot of fun to have on here. And also, I don't have the graphic for it yet, but two weeks later, I'm also going to have Mike Rodak on here. I know oh, um, Rodak. Yeah, Mike's my guy. I know I know some Bills fans have some moments with him. But the thing, the, the good, the interesting about Mike or the interesting thing about Mike, I should say, is that, you know, throughout all of that time that he was here, all the hate that he got from some fans, he still loves Buffalo. He still loves the Bills. He's still a good dude. He's actually a really good dude. So he's going to come over here and talk some fun Great stuff guy. with us, too. Yeah. So but back to it really quickly, because uh, mm-hmm. we, we got about got about 12 minutes left in here. So we were talking about embedded. We're talking about all that. Yep. You mentioned earlier, and I took the note. I remember vividly another embedded that actually ticked me off because I watched it prior to. You mentioned our guy, Cody Ford. I knew you were going. I knew that's where you were going. Yeah. Man, I'm going to tell you. So so I actually was at – I was in Orchard Park for the draft party when okay. we took him in, you know, when we took him a couple years back. And I was – obviously, I wanted DK Metcalf when the selection was made. That's who I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, when they drafted Cody Ford – when I tell you now, now, I just told you I was disappointed with Greg Rousseau. Mm-hmm. It, no, it does. It doesn't even it doesn't even touch the chart. Like when I tell you the disappointment was real, I was upset with the bills. Like I almost wanted to break up for a day just to get back with him later. But I was that mad. Do you think this is the, the break that make it a break a year for him? Is he oh, over after this? Yeah, um, big time. And, and listen, um, as a pretty outspoken um I guess you could call me a Cody Ford hater. Um, it's a huge year for him. And I, I being the hater that I am, um, I think it's, I think it, there is an excuse, a valid excuse to be made that they have not found his position and moving him from right tackle to right guard to left guard. Now, all of that movement has consequence, especially on the offensive line, especially this young in his career. Um, mm-hmm. I never bought that he was a right tackle. 
not an NFL tackle. And I had me and Chris DePasso had sort of been banging the drum um, about him playing guard. Um, I liked ultimately the move down to guard for him. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think left guard is a good spot for him to land. If this isn't his year, there just isn't going to be one for Cody Ford. So um, I think he is a guard. I'm not sure that he's a starting guard, Um, but I, if you pinned me down right now and asked me, if you asked me right now, if Ike Butker or Cody Ford was your starting left guard at the end of training camp, I would probably say Cody Ford. But if you asked me who the starter would be in week six compared to who started week one, I would probably tell you it'll be Ike Butker. You think his leash is that short? You think he has a couple games? I don't. I think it's less about his lease being that short and they like Ike Butker a lot. And I think it's going to be a stiff competition and whoever wins it, notably if Cody Ford wins it, I think Cody Ford's lease would be notably, would be notably shorter than Ike Butker's. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, and I'm with that. I'm not a Cody Ford hater. Like I, I really, sure. Um, like I, I, I like oh, the guy. Harold Fuller I, I just, makes a good point too in the comments. Well, no, I was Forrest about to Lamp. bring him up. <laughs> well, I was about to bring him up. The thing about Lamp, I feel like he is Cody Ford. I feel like, yeah, like to this point in his career, they literally have taken the same route. Like they both have underperformed as to what we thought they would be with their draft status. Mm-hmm. Um, now, could both these guys figure it out this offseason and then come in here and then we have two great guards? You know, because that was the potential we were supposed to get. Yeah, that could happen. It, nothing's impossible. But man, I, I um, I tell you, I, I think I, I think this season is the last that we see Cody Ford. I hope and pray that he proves me wrong. The truth is, I want every guy on our team to prove me wrong every time I say something bad. Like when I'm like, no, they can't do it. I don't want to be right. Like I would love to. I would love for Isaiah McKenzie to win the punt and kick return job, and us not miss Andre Roberts one bit. I would love that. Do I think it's going to happen? No. And I love Isaiah McKenzie. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, love Isaiah McKenzie. Me I, just, I just don't think that he's going to be developed enough in that role to make us not miss Andre. Now, I'm also no, a very, very huge Andre fan. I'm also a big Andre fan as well. But I'll – yeah, I think – they could listen if they end up in a position where they feel like they've got multiple starters. Watch Brandon Bean turn around and turn Ike Butker or Forrest Lamp into a third or fourth round pick, right? Um, that's the kind of stuff that he does. So, yep. um, I mean, they yep. got a fifth round pick for Russell Bodine for Christ's sake. Um, so yeah, uh, right. So I think. I think that's a good position to be in. You want to have interior offensive line depth. Most teams in this league do not. Although I don't think the Bills have, like maybe they've got a top fifteen top 12, top 15 offensive line. I think it's a good, not great offensive line. Um, When they're healthy, I think they're very good. Um, They have, I think, arguably the most depth in the league. If you would have asked me from one through 12 on the offensive line, who has from start to finish the, the, the shortest gap between the top guy and the end guy, I think that's the Bills. Um, so the Bills can bring, especially after the draft, after you go get a guy like Spencer Brown, who I, I'm with you yeah. on. I think Spencer Brown's the future at right tackle. Um, and, and, you know, what does that sort of mean for the right guard position? What does it mean? So I think there's a lot of things that can happen when Spencer Brown gets inserted into the lineup at right tackle, which I think is maybe about a year away. I think maybe we'll see some mm-hmm. of him this year at times as a swing tackle. I think he's going to catch a touchdown, by the way. Um, I think there's I think there's going to be a lot of fun ways to it. play. Look at I'm my crazy-ass cat running let's- Let's line them up at let's 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 get handed off. Let's let's right. something like a Kyle, a Kyle Williams hand. Yeah, he, yeah, he could fridge that. I I would he be really interested to see him with. Yeah, he would be a danger with those hands. I would love it. I would love it. So listen, man, we got about seven minutes left. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold you. Before I let you go, let me ask you. Um, let everybody know first where they can find your your, you know, your content. What you got going on? Anything special coming up? Yeah, so um, my my off season work uh, is pretty much done um, on Saturday afternoons, eleven a.m. I kick off my sports talk Saturday show on WGR, eleven a.m. to two p.m. Um, my show is, I would say, a, a decently unique one. Um, you know, I'm a solo um, solo host, so I don't spend a lot of time talking into a microphone. Um, I like to bring. 
uh, guests and people that I respect that um, that are entertaining. And I like to just fire off, you know, 15 to 20 minutes worth of questions at them to really kind of get their perspective on things. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of great radio and podcasts in this um, in this town. So I try to be a little different. I try to just bring a, a varied interview style. So um, if you've never listened to the show, give us give us a tune in this week. Um, I'll probably have some great guests on deck like I always do. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my normal 11 to 2 slot on Saturday. Days. Um, and then from time to time, I'll do some written content, but for the most part, I'm, a, I'm an on-air guy. So I kind of stick to what I'm good at, you know? Okay. So well, well, with that being said, everybody first, if you're not following Nate, you should go follow him on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere that he is. Listen to him this weekend. But this is the last part. That's why I asked you that now, because I feel like this part is going to take up the last five minutes. Okay. My main man, Anthony, wants to know, what did you shoot today? And we just talked about golf before before we went live. We were talking about it. So I know this is going to take a minute here. You got to let us I, know if you did good. Or I appreciate you giving me four minutes to to explain <laughs> it because I think that's an appropriate amount of time. Um, it is. It really is. I, I, I did. So um, today uh, was a qualifying tournament for my club's um, two-man best ball tournament. And only the top 15 groups qualify. And the cutoff line is 68. So it's a low, low number. Um, and my partner and I, um, we were able to. We, we, we combined score of a 68, so we've made the cut. We'll be playing. Uh, it's called the Schaefer Cup. Uh, so we'll be doing that. Uh, myself, I didn't play a particularly good round. Uh, so shooting a 68 with me basically just kind of contributing pars wasn't too bad. I shot an 84. Um, my buddy that I play with, he shot a 75. He's, he's pretty darn good. He's a He's usually about five to seven strokes better than me. Um, but, I, you know, my golf game's coming around. I play a lot. Um, I'm pretty streaky. There'll be a couple of weeks where I'll shoot, you know, 70, 77, and then there'll be a couple of weeks where I'm shooting 85, 84. So I'm kind of up and down the board. Um, but um, the weather has just been so unbelievable. And as you can tell with my matching Travis Matthews shirt and hat, I've 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 carried over my high school and college football swag wearing days right onto the golf course. So um, you won't find too many people out at Lancaster Country Club that are that are looking better than me, and I, I, I take pride in that. So, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna throw something out there that I haven't told anybody yet. You're actually the first person, okay. and, and now all of the guests that are in the room with us right now are the first to hear it. So I got a couple things coming up for next year that I'm planning. Um, I was trying to plan the second one for this year, but it has to be next year as well. So the first thing that I'm planning um, next February in Buffalo, we are going to be at the Riverworks and we're going to do like mm -hmm. the content creator um, is going to be the combine. Everything that we're doing, I've already got I'm in talks with Buffalo Riverworks. I'm talking to some people to host it and do everything. And we're also going to have a pot a thon. So we're going to have like five nice. or six live pots. But all your favorite content creators is going to come out and do the combine. I already talked to some folk. Greg is going to be there from cover one. We got my man Aaron coming from cover one. Nice. We got a uh, few people. The second thing, though, this is the big thing. Next August, I am going to be starting the first annual Code of Conduct Invitational. Yeah. And this is the truth. I've already talked about it. I got the I got I got the greens and every, I already got it. So next August, I'm going to be dropping the dates probably sometimes during the mid season or during the season. It's going to be fun, man. So all of the content creators, we're going to do this thing for charity. We're going to make it real big in Buffalo. It's going to be fun. So you please, let me please, know. Please. I will get us some sponsors. I will get us some giveaway swag. Oh, um, let's do it. I'll get the whole nine. So uh, the one good thing uh, is I grew up uh, working at Dick's Sporting Goods. So I used to be their community okay. marketing associate. I used to kind of reach out to local youth programs and golf tournaments. So I got a lot of good connections. We'll get hooked up with some good gear uh, for some raffles and some stuff stuff like that. But I'm, I'm all about that, man. So if you need any help, you know how to find me. Well, you already know I'm gonna be hitting you up. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for spending the last hour with me and my man, Nate. We are going to get on out of here. Y'all know how I do it here. It's Jay Smith, the King code of conduct. You can find me on the Buffalo rumblings podcast and YouTube network at this point. And y'all already know, love each other, take care of each other and live in peace. And as always stay positive and test negative. Go bills. <laughs> Code of conduct.